right now I'm head of the not DC related Justice League <laughs> Order of Justice wow. Universe as we dive back into 80s fantasy this is the second group of films I'm so excited so so satisfied that we're back in 80s fantasy because what what encapsulates is that the right word what encapsulates the the 80s better than sci-fi <laughs> Because you really get you really get a great sense of of uh, storytelling capabilities, you know, like the practical effects. I mean, you just you really the have to hone in the people cocaine the being introduced into Hollywood and a significant it's, it's the level. The continuation of the '70s into the '80s. Um, so I wanted it, you know, a couple seasons ago. We've had some fans request it as well. So here we are, '80s fantasy part deux. Um, and in no particular order, we're talking about Labyrinth, Neverending Story, uh, Dark Crystal, Time Bandits, and Flash Gordon. So there we go. I had only seen three of those five films. So this will be this will be fun. So Rich, what is your week? It was an interesting journey, <laughs> to be sure. At times, I thought maybe some LSD would help, uh, but <laughs> here we are. So my week is the Dark Crystal. Oh, what? Okay. Oh, yes. All right. Is, okay, sorry. Go ahead. My week is Time Bandits. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> no, there's no oh, that's what the, there. That's the Sean Connery of the bunch, by the way, guys. That's what that was me putting the oh what in Rich's mouth. Not because not my flake. Just it's not your flake. All right. Uh, well, there you go. All right. Well, well, let's talk, let's talk about Dark Crystal. Uh, let's okay. do, do we have to? Yeah. Yes, um, would love to. So as a child, <laughs> this movie terrified and scarred me. <laughs> because there's a scene where the poor little potato people get strapped <laughs> into a chair and they get the life sucked out of them <laughs> and i don't know why but for some reason i found that to be deeply unsettling as a little boy maybe you're um, just really sheltered richard I don't know. yeah it must have been yeah sure <laughs> um this movie is pointless it's plotless what? it is pointless and plotless no. <laughs> it has no real story whatsoever no. it is a piece of circular logic it exists for one reason and one reason only and oh. that is because jim henson wanted to show people what he could do with his muppets that is the oh. only reason this story exists that is the only reason this movie exists so much of this movie i would dare say almost all of this movie is oh i'm jim henson look at what i can do with my muppets i can make them look freaky I can make them look evil. Look, I can make them cut rocks. I can make them look cute. I can kind of, sort of, in a weird way, sexualize them with each other. I can do all kinds of things with my Muppets. Just look at all the Muppety things I can do. And it's so showy. And it's so, let me do this merely for the sake of doing it, rather than for the sake of a story that the story is superfluous the story means nothing and when you get to the end you're like oh yes this story really did mean nothing 
and this had no significance. What? And the characters really don't play any particularly important part. The bad guys and the good guys are the same people. So if you were smart, you would have just, I guess, killed the good guys because that would have solved your problems. Um, it's it's weird and scary and grim and dark and pointless and i don't like it at all rich i got some news for you all five of these films are deeply scary and scary. that is not an untrue statement at all <laughs> in different ways they are all, all deeply scary frightening scary as uh, insert your favorite expletive yeah um i'm just just saying but i do we watch the same film okay I, i've kind of argue against that because there, there is a plot. I mean, and you said it yourself, like the good guys are the bad guys, which is interesting. And it's deep. And there, deep? there is a lot going on. I'll give you that. But the characters are so interesting. And I mean, I and I wouldn't have known that as a kid because that witch scared the life out of me. Now the I most just, interesting character for me was the cute little dog that had three layers of teeth. This gig? This gig? He's my man. Like, I love, I love, yeah, those, the, their little voices. Um, yeah, the, the witch was deeply scarring to me as a child. We talked about this recently as well. I mean, how this was scarring to me um, <clears throat> because the witch, now I just look like the witch. She doesn't scare me anymore. It's just, uh, I look like her. Um, <laughs> so those memes. One of those memes where it's like you think you look good and this is what you actually look like and it's her that's that's <laughs> anyway anyway what i was gonna say is you're not is... in for negative self-talk in this podcast I just that on the record. <laughs> i'm also laughing so um yeah we always do when we say the cruel things to ourselves oh okay <laughs> he's about to shrink me so um so anyway um uh, what was i saying what was I saying? Oh, it's interesting and it's deep, and but it's it does have things that are rooted in in uh, you know things that we can connect to, like the um, the the king dies and it's like succession, like who's going to take the scepter? Who's 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 next in line? And then there it's relatable in that way with the Skeksis who are supposed to be so bad, um, but that you know ends ends up being you know like all of us, and that that was part of the bigger picture is like. You know, there's there's good and bad in you know everybody, and it, it, and there's like that force moment when the the good guy dies and he like gets twinkled and stuff, and it's like, ooh, that's like Yoda. When was this? This was. Oh, I didn't write down the date. Did you write down the date? No, I didn't write down the, the date. But yeah, I mean that was close to Empire Strikes Back. So, <laughs> eighty two, eighty two. Thank you. Oh, and. Empire Strikes Back was 81. 81. There you go. Ta-da! Um, so Jim Henson was was sneaking in and watching some George Lucas at that moment. Um, anyway, so I did see, I did see a storyline. There very much was a storyline. There was interesting characters, which again is more than can be said for a lot of other films that <laughs> we see. <laughs> I'll um, I'll give you perspective, but I will tell you for me, it was all smacked of spectacle for the sake of spectacle. It was Jim Henson being a show off. And I felt like all the story beats were really just excuses to do stuff. I, I felt like 
the the story was in service of the Jim Henson effects rather than the effects being in service of the story. I well, I mean, I don't know if you're right. I do know that it's really interesting looking. Yes. And I'm thankful it was Jim Henson. He also did a bunch of stuff with Labyrinth. Um, and that is another really fascinating film. Um, but and I was comparing the two of those, neither of those is my um on flick choice spoiler alert. Um, but I was comparing the two, and um, I'm like, maybe I like Dark Crystal more than I like Labyrinth, which is funny to me because to me, Labyrinth is more accessible for lots of reasons. Hmm. Um, Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie and there's music in it. You know what I found to be true is, is that this is like, he's the Phantom of the Opera, right? right. He's got this kind of semi-familial slash uh, creepy boyfriend vibe yes. to him, like Phantom of the Opera, yo. And they're singing. He's totally Phantom of the Opera. Anyway. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that was tangential. Yes. Um, but back to Dark, Dark Crystal, which has merit on its own. And you know what? Even if you're right, even if it is, you know, effects for the sake of effects and like Jim Henson doing his Hensoning for the sake of doing his Hensoning, I'm thankful for that because it's amazing looking. And that was a little mic drop moment, ladies and gentlemen. You might be editing that out. <laughs> it cascaded right off of the table on the floor. I didn't even move. Anyway, <laughs> I think it, it was just trying to uh, give me some credibility here. And <laughs> it, uh, it agrees with me that Dark Crystal is, is we will, not. We will have to just agree to disagree on this This one. is true and i forgot what i was i forgot that we were doing week now and i can talk about time bandits yes um, please so i liked the um the human people in it <laughs> um well let me back that up i like sean connery and john cleese yes. and who yes. else was in it somebody else oh ian home was in it oh yeah yeah oh ian home i love Ian Holm. yes um they were they were all fun and i think that they were having fun Mm-hmm, for was, sure which was nice to see but the rest of the time i mean it was just like oh my gosh there's a lot going on but there's the guy those are the guys who just got to jump in right right like they didn't have to do the whole shoot and understand what was going on they just got to come in and right do funny bits and then go and like okay like overall storyline i get i get what it's trying to do but to me i just kept comparing it to other films like maybe this is mean, but I'm starting out with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, and meets the Truman Show, meets Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I said one more meets Wizard of Oz. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it had elements all those. There was like that glass thing that was right. like people were looking into, and then you kind of meet the wizard at the end. Is like explaining everything to you, Bill and Ted obviously because they're going throughout history and they're going well this is this is terry gilliam who did uh the imaginarium of dr parnassus which we talked about before right so did monty python which explains john cleese and some of the other pythons that uh show up in that mix so um it's it's odd it's weird 
for sure. It, it is very. And to me, it, tonally, I, it did not vibe with me either. Like there was so, there was so much going on and I, I don't know, I know who are they talking to? Who, who do you want to watch this film? And right. I wasn't, I wasn't sure about that. And even though like you run into people and it's fun, mm-hmm. you know, that aspect of it, I was like, how long is this film? And I kept like pressing pause to see how much longer it was on it. I don't know how much more this I can take. It feels long. It ends very weirdly and abruptly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a theologically it's a mess. Like, what is it even trying to say? It it does. I think he's trying to say we have absolutely no idea how all this works. At least that's what I got out of it is that, you know, you can you can have your ideas about God and the devil and, and time and whatever else, but you really do not know how this works. Mm-hmm. And on that level, it was clear that he didn't and that uh, <laughs> I was no closer to understanding it myself for watching it. From watching the right, yeah. watching it from his perspective. Um, I will also shout out to David Warner, who played the devil. Um, I think he's a really gifted actor and I he think he a good job of being like evil, but also kind of dumb and silly. Um, and uh, I, I appreciated his performance. It's a sad and a dark movie, like pretty much everything on this, on this list, list for one. Uh, but. And I've uh, thrown another log on the fire that I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, I use Rotten Tomatoes as a reference. I just look on there and see right. kind of. Um, it was the highest critically scored film of those five. Yeah, I'm gonna say that one more time. Time Bandits. Yeah, got a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It did. That is a full almost fifteen points higher than Elvis. Yeah. And I always bring this up. Memoirs of a Geisha. If you've ever seen this, like this, whoa, beautiful movie. It was like thirty something on Rotten Tomatoes. Like something is awry here that all these other weird films are scoring higher than that film. Anyway, I don't understand. Time Bandit's got 90% growth. I, I have to shout out that this is my father's, one of his favorite films. Aww. He would watch this and the rest of us would go, oh. And we'd kind of slowly exit. I'd exit around the time that Sean Connery got off the screen, typically. That would be my my cue to leave. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was my one of my dad's favorite. <laughs> love when Sean was off screen, but he comes back. He does, and he I would pop back. my head in and be like, "Hey, is Sean back yet? Is Sean back yet?" No. <laughs> yeah. Your BFF. Yeah, you'll get no disagreement with me on that. So let's talk about fleeks. Um. Okay, but before I name my 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 fleek, can I just say about not not about time bandits, but Flash Gordon like that? That probably should be the weakest. But I enjoyed the writing so much in that film. <laughs> it was so corny and stupid, but but it was well written. And like it's I'm not my fleek. <laughs> you are lying to me right now. No, I am telling you the honest <laughs> to goodness truth. Honest Richard. to goodness truth. And, I, let, and let me explain. Let me explain. 
So I watched this movie and I'm watching it and I'm like, this is incredibly stupid. <laughs> yes. And I'm watching it and I'm like, this looks awful. Like these looks special awful. effects look cheap. <laughs> and I was like, these people are dressed incredibly dumb like what is going on here when was this made was this made in 1953 and i yes indeed it is made in the 80s and i'm like what is going and and then i realized this is intentionally dumb this movie was Mm -hmm. a parody this movie was made to be not taken seriously. It was made in the style of the comics from which it sprang, and it is made to be absurd. And I'll tell you who I learned this from more than anybody else, and that is Brian Blessed, who, bless him, I love him in this movie. He plays the leader of the Hawkmen. (laughs) And if you watch Brian Blessed in this movie, it does not matter what's happening. Brian Blessed is just tickled and happy to be there. All of his men are dying and the ship's blowing up and Brian Blessed is just like giggling and going, we're all going to die. But he's laughing because he knows he is in a farce. Him and Max von Sydow both understand the movie that they're in and they just are there to play and to be silly and dumb Timothy Dalton thinks he's in a real movie. Like mm-hmm. that man is over there and he is playing. Oh, I it loved him in that. Straight. I loved him in that. Like he is he, he is not letting the stupid absurdity of this movie affect him in any way. And he is giving this real performance. But Brian Blessed and Max Von Sydow, they were my my guides. I looked at them and I thought, yeah you guys know that I should not be taking this movie seriously. And as long as you're not taking it seriously, it's wonderful. It's a masterpiece of idiocy. It is so dumb and so uh, (laughs) absurd and silly that what can you do but just kind of say, oh man, this is so bad, it's good. So. So, I mean, it, it it was fun. Um, and it was a masterpiece of idiocy, as you say. And I could tell that it was a farce too. I mean, but there's no way that that is, is on fleek for me. I did love the writing and I loved it so much that I pulled it up. I've pulled up the script several times today trying to synthesize like what I could say, some some quotes I could pull out. Cause there were a couple of times, no, more than a couple of times where I was like, oh gosh, that was a great line. Oh gosh, that was a great line. And, and just the writing is the writing is is solid. It but it does it looks stupid. Right? It looks stupid. It is stupid. It's supposed to look stupid, and that's the yes. I, I didn't but. understand it until yes, I it. I watched it, and then afterwards I read about it, and like the producer was like, "Yeah, we did not want this to look good. Mm-hmm. We did not want this to look cutting edge." We wanted this to look like the comic book and the comic book looks trippy and weird and over the top and silly and boy, check, check, check. Like 
do I love this movie? Is it the greatest movie of all time? Am I ever probably going to watch it again? Maybe if I get with the right group of people who have the right sense of humor for it, maybe. <laughs> but no, it's not going on my favorites list. But of the, it was, quite frankly, it got me out of the dark, nasty pit that all of the other movies in this <laughs> That's list. That's really are. what this is about. <laughs> and two, it it was smart enough to not take itself seriously and if you're gonna be absurd to just lean into the absurdity of it and truly i mean brian brian blessed i would watch that movie again just to watch him because <laughs> the man is hilarious uh and i love every minute that he's on the screen i just want to zoom in on his performance and just just laugh because he is having such a ball and it shows in every moment um yeah well i love that you love it so much i don't i don't completely agree but but I, the writing is solid and it is fun um did i say my own flake no did i didn't not. um i'm naming never ending story and um I, I don't think that i'm gonna pronounce this with as much joy as you did yours but i will say that as far as fan fantasy and fantasticness you can't get any more than never ending story. Um, and it is captivating from start to finish. I remember seeing this as a child. Was this 1984? I remember seeing this as a child and being utterly terrified by a few things that black dog thing and the, the pit, the, the swamp of sadness and right. uh, even Falcor the corn dog looked like he had corn on the cob on his back. It, he freaked me out too. Um, and like the things, the things with the lasers coming out of their eyes. I mean, there was genuinely terrifying things about it, but that movie is really smart. And a lot of times it's made in a different way than children's movies are made now. And I, their kids process a lot. They process differently than adults but they're capable of processing more than adults give them credit for sometimes. This movie has deep themes because this kid lost his mo lost his mother. Right. Um, he's dealing with things with his dad. He's being bullied at school. I mean, these are deep, dark things personally. And so this kid escapes into a book. He literally escapes into a book. And so then he spends you know, the hour and a half, whatever, how long this movie is going on this fantastical journey with all the characters, with um, Atreyu and I almost said Atreides, that's Dune, <laughs> with Atreyu. <laughs> like, what is his name? Um, and Falcor and his horse, Art Artex and, you know, all these things and, and exploring courage and imagination and all the other things, there's there's a lot of themes going on in Never Ending Story. Um, but even with all the themes, it's not convoluted. It's not over the top. It's just fantastical and so blasted interesting. And I mean, it leans into the genre and it does it so well. And it's just, it's beautiful to watch. It's a beautiful experience, beautiful to think about. Um, and hello, it's got a twist at the end worthy of Shyamalan when it's like hello bastion's the one that's going to be able to save this because 
You brought the human boy with you. He's been with you this entire time. Right. He's the one that can fix this. Let him use his imagination. And you get more of the concept of what's going on. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's a Shyamalan twist where it's like Earth comes crashing down. Um, and he uh, just is able to the name the princess's name and, you know, fix everything and contribute to the building up of this world. Um, and then he's able to, to go out into his own life and, and tackle what he needs to tackle at the bullies and, you know, just being his own person and stuff like that is just an, it's an awesome film. And that's definitely an awesome choice. I, I agree with a number of your points. It, this is not, this was not produced by Hollywood. This was something uh, I, that was, at a European based and Wolfgang Peterson, who's the director, brings a a European sensibility to the Maybe that's why I like it. Um, which I think you can see in the production. I think you can see in the storytelling and the vibe that it, it brings. It's you it has a unique feel because it's not the stereotypical perspective uh and idea that we get um the the creepiness of it you know i get what you're saying about kids and that they understand more and that they can uh take in more than what we sometimes give them credit for but we also can scare kids needlessly and <laughs> i feel like this I wonder at what age you're supposed to watch this and you know, what was their, their target audience? Because I felt like I saw it maybe too young because I got the, I got the fear of it. <laughs> and I wonder if I'd watched it when I was a little bit older, if I would have been able to appreciate the story a little bit more, but that, that movie still scares me. It's right. So I mean, it's it's creepy and it's, it's like got, you know, it's thing. blood. I mean, you literally have uh, a tray you gutting that wolf dog creature um, to, to save his own life. I mean, it's 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 got some harsh stuff in there. Um, it does. But I mean. Uh, but but it's about there is a reason for it. Right. And it's. It, it it serves a function within the the tone and the story, right? And I I mean I'm just thinking about your point here. Um, I I just think it's I I think it just helps the story. But I absolutely those 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 elements of it are really terrifying, and they still give me the same creepy vibes. And and also maybe I got a few more things this time. First of all. Falcor inappropriately winks. <laughs> like, yes. Why are you winking, Falcor? I don't understand yeah. why you're winking right now. He has, he has a weird presence sometimes. Oh, it's a weird, a weird winky thing. Like maybe you you should rethink your winkies. Um, um <laughs> the story <laughs> also seems to just end. Like his dad's there in the beginning, and then it just it just ends, and so we don't we don't see the outcome. You know, his dad's you telling see the, him the bullies in the trash can. That's good enough for me. Yeah, but but like, I I do wonder what what's the moral 
of the story aside from that reading a book is a good escape and can teach us things about ourselves and kind of help us have a realization. But at the end of the day, what did that kid do? He went missing for a day. Yeah, that part definitely bothered me for sure. And, you know, the dad is probably wondering where his kid is. And let's talk about the questionable setup of that school, man. Like (laughs) the attic key is just like there. Yes, this creepy attic and the fact that the second the bell rings, the teacher's leaving. I'm like, that's not accurate. Yeah, it's like that. that (laughs) That's that's not real life right there. Teachers staying there. There's lots of stuff going on at that school. Everybody just left. They ran for the hill. Like kids by themselves in school. So I do think that as an adult, you you get a different perspective. And the end, like I said, it feels very just like it's over and. Uh, I know there's sequels, and I know the sequels are not very good. Um, I like the second one okay, but it's definitely not the same caliber as number one. No, it's not the same caliber. I, and- I, I, no, I gosh, I just I, I gotta disagree because I think there's and this is just the surface level stuff, but like things you know this nothing force coming in and demolishing everything. And what is that nothing? And if you consider what he's going through personally, if you bring those two things together. I mean, right. it could be like depression. Uh, it, it could be right. like, you know, this inner turmoil that's happened, or you could think about it in a bigger sense. And, you know, like uh, just some kind of force overtaking another place and right. people and stuff like that. I just think there's so many levels and layers. Well, and the, the, the wolf right. dog is like, because people are giving up their dreams and they're right. connecting and like, that's number one it's interesting that he and the dog wolf thing have this dialogue to begin with oh i think so too and also that the dog wolf thing is so insightful and and willing it's a very interesting dynamic for sure he said people something like people without hope are the easiest to manipulate down or whatever and it's like oh gosh that's that's so scary yeah, it's, it's so true. And I, again, when you look in the context of his own personal life and what's happening, you know, in this this world, uh, I mean, it's just it's fascinating and yeah. it's endlessly fascinating to me and so interesting. So, yeah, I get why you put it at your at your fleek. Um, and I, I, I don't fault you for that. I think all <laughs> of these movies are deeply imperfect in different ways. Um, and all have little quirks. I will circle back. I feel like we've touched on all of them, uh, but I will circle back to Labyrinth for a minute and just chime in on what you said. Number one, the the thing that sets it apart for me, the plot is pretty whisper thin uh, in a lot of ways, but it has David Bowie. And but it has David Bowie. David Bowie can like elevate the material in a way that, uh, quite frankly, I was amazed by because I had not seen this in a long time. And to watch him play the part was very eye-opening. And it was like, you really do bring a lot more to this than just your your singing, which your singing is is great. But you really do bring so much more to this part. Uh, and the, presence you know, is crazy. And it's, I mean, some of it's creepy and some of it feels rather inappropriate. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> there you go. Instead. 
the young girl getting seduced but, by the sort of semi-familial lover. Right. But type. it's but you get the feeling that that was intentional and you also like that's what he brings to the table because that's what was asked of him. I think it was it, in its way I I don't love everything about it, but I think um it was it was really well done. And Jennifer Connelly um very Yay. young at this point but i mean already the talent is there the she ability. looks the exact same i mean yeah. she looks older now obviously but she looks the exact same right and <laughs> and just the ability to act opposite muppets is not something that everyone can do sure and, and she, she did not dial it in it was yeah. she she was doing her thing and david bowie you're totally right his presence is is crazy it's so good but this movie again terrifying creepy and dark yes and like the fact that her baby brother gets kidnapped i mean this is that's legit frightening that is right. yeah it's it's concept. it's interesting all of like the what were we trying to teach kids in the 80s <laughs> i mean what what moral points are we selling care. to them i mean we've got land before time your mom's going to die <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fievel goes west. You you could go missing, and no one's ever gonna find you. Uh, <laughs> you've got um, you know these these dark crystal and and labyrinth, which is like they're creepy, awful, weird things out in the world, and they're gonna get you or your brother. <laughs> but let's let's examine real life here, and <laughs> all of that is true. Yeah, it doesn't look the same, but all of it is true. Which, oh. which is like you think. Consider fairy tales. Um, fairy tales, like the grandbrother, those right. are dark. Yeah, and we sugarcoat them sometimes, and I think we do a disservice. There's a lot of times that we do things, trying to, you know, whatever shield people or shield kids. Right. But we stunt them, and that happens a lot these days. I see it with my own waking eyes as an educator. There's a lot, there's a lot of things we're doing. We're not helping the kids be individual people and learn to grow up and be individual people. Things are different. And um, I mean, he, you don't want to scar people. You definitely need to protect, protect children. Absolutely. 100% with your entire being, but um, you can't forget that there are people, you know, and we all have to process grief and fear and anger and pain and, you know, you put it in a, a playful setting, it, let, let people dissect it with their emotions. You know, it's, it's deeply impactful. So as dark as these, you know, films are, and as weird as they are, you, you get to, you know, be in this playground and examine some kind of frightening emotions, like on the emotion scale, the more frightening of the emotions. And I'm for one, I'm grateful for that. And uh, makes it even more interesting to talk about these films. Wow. All right. So, you know, who knew we were going to get that deep? Um, so let's, let's rate these guys out of, um, out of 10 Muppets mm -mm. or something else. What? There's Fantastic. definitely a lot of Muppet and Muppet-esque work in these. So that's, that's, that's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sort of 10 Muppets. What are you going to give them? Five. Ooh. Hmm. Um, shoot. You know what? I just I talked myself up on my scores just a second ago. So I'm like, yeah, that's true. 
I'm not going to show any of these to my kids anytime soon. <laughs> uh, and I don't. You and I, I feel like watch watch films early though too. Yeah. Um. And so uh, that's not happening, and I am not going to be visiting these myself again anytime soon. So yeah. by virtue of that, I'm I'm putting them smack dab in the middle. Gosh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them an eight. I can't believe I'm going to do that. Wow. But because think about the never ending story and labyrinth by, by themselves, dark crystal kind of, but those are iconic films and people refer to them. They're like got cult followings. Uh, you know, they're, they're enduring, even though they're a product of their time enough that we can laugh about them a, a tiny bit. Uh, they still, they are enduring. So I'm going to give them an eight and this was a blast. And I, I only wanted to, you know, cheese grater on my face during time bandits or part of the time. So I, I feel like that was, that's pretty successful batch. <laughs> you know, and these, these were fun to, to watch and, and to be able to discuss. And uh, certainly there's touchstones of childhood and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I definitely think that in terms of like, the content and the bonkers mm -hmm. content you can't get much more bonkers than than these than these movies maybe we should have done leg warmers or something like that <laughs> <Or> something <laughs> 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 <laughs>